welcome back to The Catch. I'm your host, Michael Adams, and today I'm joined by a very special host, my co-host, David McCormick. David, it's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. How you doing? Can you update everyone with your life? What's new? What's going on? Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me back on. Happy to be back. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, overall, I'm doing well. Still living the dream. Uh, we just got done with Thanksgiving break. I'm not sure when this is going to be released, but uh, it's really good, really good dinner. It was awesome to see family and yeah, just hoping to wrap up, wrap up the semester and finish strong. Yeah, I know you, you are kind of living the dream, um, aka you're still in college at the University of Illinois, which I am a little jealous of, only a little bit. I do love being out of college, but still, you know, it brings back good memories seeing the U of I flag in your background right now. <laughs> Now, this is actually not even my room. <laughs> I know. This is exactly. my roommates. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's weird. Kind of, it's kind of weird being a senior, though. Um, thinking like next year at this point, we're going to be out of college. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of like almost pre-nostalgia, like pre-graduation goggles of like, oh, no, I'm going to miss this place so much. And also a part of me of being like, I'm just really happy to never have finals ever again. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> I will say, as much as I do miss college, I am so happy to be done with college. <laughs> like the pros definitely outweigh the cons of graduating. Um, I was definitely ready for it and came at a good time. I do not miss papers, do not miss finals. Money is, and I can't can't deny it. It's, it's nice. Yeah, to what's have. that like? Um, you know, exactly. Like this past week, uh, it was Black Friday. Um, and me being a newly employed man had a little bit extra money um and i get a random call from my brother johnny at about uh, about noon and he is over at this kind of like farm shop in town it's like walmart except for farmers it's called it's called stock and field very creative name (laughs) (laughs) they know who they are marketing towards but he sends me his picture and he calls me say hey check your text "All all right all right i look at it and it's a mini bike and it is full camo, decked out, looks like a minute, like a miniature motorcycle. And it's not like a crotch rocket. It's genuinely like just a little bit bigger than a real motorcycle. And it goes about 20 to 30 miles per hour. And he was like, hey, we're buying these. Get over here now. Of course, at first, I'm like, no, we're not. Like, that's not happening. Uh, I don't want to spend money on that. Like, I have no need for it. Then fast forward two hours and he has every single one of my brother's and my dad convinced to buy one and then i'm like okay well if everyone's buying one i have to buy one and so yeah that that's what you can look forward to next year is being able to spend your hard-earned money on fun little toys like an all camo mini bike that you can take out in the mud and in the woods and do weird stuff with. you know it's weird you mentioned that because yeah that was going to be my first purchase actually after after i get my first paycheck it's going straight to the mini bike. Honestly, I, rec- I, I recommend it. I did see that. Yeah, I think you got tagged on uh, tagged on Facebook by your brother, and I saw that the other day, and I was like, "This this seems like a story." I'm gonna have to ask Michael about this right away. It seemed like you guys had a lot of fun, though. Oh, honestly, like we were talking, like you know, like mini bikes. Getting mini bikes when you're like your 20s and 30s, like doesn't really sound that cool, but honestly, it's way more fun than getting them when you're 12 because we have like the intellect to be fun with them and like do cool things with them. Like it's not like we're like 12, like scared to ride them. It's like we're 20 year olds and 30 year olds who are like, yeah, let's go down that hill. Yeah. Let's try and jump. them. like <laughs> acting like we're 12 years old, really. Um, 
but my dad saw us when he first bought him and he was like, I have never seen all of my boys like smiling and laughing that much for that long, all at the same time in years. He just said like the amount of joy on our faces. And we all said the same thing. It was like, it felt like we were like 11, 10 years old, all hanging out together and like having the time of our life. I only crashed like three times. And even then the crashes didn't hurt, just got really muddy. And that was again, like, I felt like I was eight years old. I was like, yeah, that was awesome. That was so much fun. I want to do it again. And I was like, wait a second. I shouldn't want to do that again. <laughs> did you do any, uh, any big adventurous jumps? I did one by myself. My brothers had left and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna take it out for a couple more minutes by myself. And I did one and I hope my parents aren't listening to this podcast today because they definitely don't know I did this. But I took it over like a little lip and it was like a little bit of a jump. And I used to jump when I was a little kid. I used to jump four wheelers over it. And I was like, I wonder if I can still do this with this. And I did it once. And immediately I felt the back of my mini bike going out from under me. And I land it in like a wheelie. And I get like, my heart legitimately stops. I think I'm like, okay, I'm about to flip this thing. Like I'm about to get hurt. Like this is the first day I bought it. My mom was already worried about us. And I just like threw it forward and I immediately hit on the brakes. I was like, okay, you're not doing that anymore. So that was my one and only jump. It's okay. I am, I can retire from that knowing that I, I tried it. I achieved it. There's no more need for that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I feel like life comes at you pretty quickly when that happens of like, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, of course. I used to do that as a kid. I could probably do that now. And it's like, oh, it's been a long time since you've done anything like this. You should probably stop. You're 20, you're about to turn 24 years old. <laughs> Next time though, full send. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for you to come down and visit. You can uh, hop on the mini bike and we can be like the next uh, big motorcycle gang in Metamora, just riding around intimidating everyone in our half of the motorcycles that we're driving around <laughs> at 20 miles an hour, full speed. I'm picturing, you know, like they have those like those like monkeys riding like the little tiny bikes. That's kind of what I'm picturing we're going to look like oh like, <laughs> zoom we felt, in back and forth we felt very cool on them and then i stopped and i was talking to my mom and i watched my brother drive and i went oh that's what we look like and, and exactly that the bike like the monkeys on like the really tiny bikes but hey it's not how you look it's just just how you feel and I, I felt like i was 12 which i think that's a pretty invaluable thing to do when you're in your 20s to be able to do something that takes you back to your childhood like that yeah no those memories you got to cherish them and you can just add that to the list of um, things that like feel cool when you do them, but when else, well, like when someone else doesn't realize they're not that cool. Oh, and exactly. I would have to imagine number one on that list is yelling at someone from a car. Oh, it's awesome it when you're is. doing it. Yeah, yeah. But when someone else, not as cool. Somebody did it to me this weekend and it wasn't cool. Like, I was like, why? this is annoying. Please don't do that. But David, speaking of, you know, the way we view others and the way that, I was viewing myself, it does remind me of the topic that you prepared for us today, doesn't it? Oh, yes, I did. I did prepare a topic for us today. It's actually something I've been thinking about and praying with for a while. Um, I know, uh, I think it was actually you and our good friend, John Rahimi, gave uh, me the book about um, reflections when you visit the sacrament, um, the most blessed sacrament. And this is something about like two years ago, if you remember the little throwback. I think, I think John gave it to me when I was like kind of first diving into it and then immediately after like a couple of weeks later, he gave one to you. And I remember I looked at you cause you were carrying around. I was like, wait a second, where'd you get that from? <laughs> I know John is just, he's just so basic. He's giving all of his friends the same stuff, but 
obviously I'm joking. It was so, well, it's so nice of John will want to give us the book and how, how incredible it was. But I remember just a line in that um, kind of stuck out to me and it was talking about how uh, original sin has impacted how we view God today. And that kind of struck me because I always think of original sin as like, oh yeah, Genesis, Adam and Eve, super long time ago, baptism, it's all good now. Um, but to think is like, this actually impacts us every day and how we view God. And immediately I thought of, you know, like when you go on a retreat and at the end of the retreat, some people call it a retreat high, um, but you feel like you can see things super clearly, right? Like the entire outside world's kind of like blocked out. Um, and there's kind of almost a little bit of like, at least how I've experienced a little bit of like that fear of like, I'm not going to see, like have this clarity for a while. Um, so sometimes at the end of retreats or experience like that, I like to like write myself a note, basically kind of like graces I've received on the retreat. Um, and a little bit of kind of saying like, Hey, feeling like this, this unified with God is awesome. Remember this feeling, don't screw it up. <laughs> basically to put it in a nice way. Um, and I was kind of thinking of why do I feel the need to do that? And it's because, um, we have that inclination towards sin. So I knew when I, when I leave the retreat center, um, that like things will like once kind of start interacting, like with more people, that's going to maybe start to like naturally fade. Like that retreat high is going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it kind of then connected with original sin that we have that, we have that natural inclination to sin. Um, and and sometimes we have that desire. Um, and it's something that, we it's not necessarily our fault but it's there so this is our my quick overview of the topic so thoughts right now one i'm very excited the last thing you just said really struck me about um the natural inclination to sin because again similar to your retreat high that you're speaking of i almost (laughs) it's probably isn't the right terminology but like a confession high like that Ooh, time, yeah. right when you get out of that confession, it was, maybe it was a bad confession. Maybe it had been like a bad week or a bad month. You got, you're like, oh man, I am just so convicted to be better. I'm not going to ever confess that sin again. And then fast forward like a month and you're there again. You're like, oh man, this time I'm not going to do that again. Cause again, you're at that high. And again, but we have that natural inclination to fall back into that. And yeah, I'm excited to see where you, where you take this. But yeah, just kind of the similarities between those two, feeling on cloud nine right after a treat and feeling on cloud nine right after a confession. And that is natural. I mean, God gives us those graces and it is spiritual fuel to keep us going. Um, it, it, it's good that we have that because otherwise we would just, if we didn't have a spiritual high after a treat or after confession, maybe we'd be like, oh, this wasn't worth it. This didn't really do anything. I wouldn't go back and do this again. So it is motivation to keep coming back. But this natural inclination to distance ourselves from God is something that is frustrating, but I'm interested to hear more about it. Yeah, definitely. And it's really, it's really awesome. You brought up confession too. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you leave confession, not always, but like, sometimes you kind of feel like, well, yeah, like I, we see things more clear, like how things are meant to be seen, right? Like union with Christ, right. That we have, um, we've repented for our sins. We've said our wrongdoing. And you're almost like, it's so simple. I'm just not going to do those things I did anymore. <laughs> and then like the game plan is so, is so easy. And then you realize that it's a little more complicated than, than you might've thought. Um, and yeah, I think just for that, I kind of want to dive a little bit into Genesis and Adam and Eve um, and just kind of what went down 
um, between them and kind of just the implications that carries for us now. Um, so for just like quick update, so Adam and Eve are living in the garden, the perfect harmony. Um, and there is temptation from the devil. And he basically convinces, um, he convinces them that if they uh, eat from the one tree that they were told not to eat from, that they will become, that they will become gods and that God has been lying to them. Um, so basically Adam and Eve, they choose their own desires uh, based on a lie. And I think that was kind of the, one of the first things that stands out to me is that their, the situation that they saw was not actually what the situation was. It was the devil twisting it. So it was the devil twisting um, God's love and God's gifts into something that could be interpreted as um god is hiding something or god does not actually love me or doesn't have my best um like just doesn't have my best intentions at heart um yeah and he he basically twisted he twisted that gift and he obviously then um used an apple and with temptation temptation is always going to be something that um something that's appealing to us right um like it's an apple maybe an apple wouldn't tempt me a ton now um it would probably be something maybe an apple pie would (laughs) an apple pie probably would yep i had some had some this past week for thanksgiving (laughs) but yeah but it was it was it was really tempting to them and Mm -hmm. that that's something that they desired and they basically there was that lack of trust with god and when they when they decided to um when they when they decided to do something that God told them that he didn't want them doing. They broke that trust, right? And they broke that relationship. And yeah, the implications for that um, have been felt since then. Um, the temptation yeah, so, that you're talking about really is reminding me of uh, this idea that I heard in confession a few weeks ago of really what temptation is. And when we engage in temptation, which I think we see with Adam and Eve here today is trying to see how far we can go on our own strength seeing how far we can go on our own without God. And it, it makes sense, obviously, because they're eating this apple to become God and to replace God and become them, become themselves a God. But it's just interesting uh, kind of connection between that, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that they were, um, they, they wanted to become self-reliant, right? Because sometimes it's hard to rely on people who, you know, aren't ourselves. Um, and to put it like very, very simply, like they were given freedom, right? Like we were all given um, freedom, like we have free will. Um, and then they were asked, they were asked to recognize their human limits and to trust in God. Um, and yeah, they didn't do either of those things. And in breaking that relationship, um, that obviously has affected human history. And that's just something kind of that stood out to me that like, I mean, how often do we have, um, do we have like that same situation in front of us, right? We're given freedom, we're given free will, and we're asked to recognize our human limits and trust in God. So it's like, what are your thoughts when I kind of say like the situation they were in, obviously not exactly the same, but if you break it down very simply, you could apply it to a lot of situations we're in right now. I think every situation um, can be very easily uh, put it in parallel with Adam and Eve, at least in my own life, I think, uh, again, like you're saying, they chose themselves. And I think one, one of the ways I actually 
heard it referenced in the catechism earlier this morning when I was preparing was man preferred himself to God, which I thought that was just like a very poignant way of putting this. And again, it's just choosing ourselves and choosing our own will. That's like the consistent theme we see with Adam and Eve. They chose their own will, whether their viewpoint on the world was twisted and maligned. And that's why they chose themselves. That's why they chose their own will. Either way, they chose something that was not of God. And we really can think every time we engage with sin, that's exactly what we're doing. We're choosing what is not of God. And oftentimes for myself, choosing it knowingly, knowing that this is not of God and still engaging in it. Um, whether that's in anything that could be in lying, that could be in cursing, that could be in patience, that could be with how we treat others. But understanding that we have the two roads between us and having the clarity of seeing both roads and still engaging with the incorrect road is something that we see here with Adam and Eve that I think we also see with today's world where sometimes good and evil are so easily distinguishable, yet evil is chosen by like the human person, whether it's because it's easier, because it's more pleasurable in the now, it's more now, it's more attractive right this second. Either way, though, it comes back to us, us loving ourselves far more than we love our God. Yeah, and it's because it's, I would say, well, one of the reasons is because it's easier to rely on ourselves. It's more comfortable to do mm-hmm. that. And I yeah, to say like, that the situations are sometimes the choices are difficult. Like it's not always, it's not always going to be very easy to do or to choose the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, that's what we're asked to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes we have to put that trust in God, but a lot of times it's going to be, we, we think it's going to be easier if we're self-reliant, if we, if we're going to be self-sufficient. I know you, you've talked about on the podcast before. Um, yeah. But that temptation of being, um, self-reliant, self-sufficient. And I think it's just, it's become, it's, it's natural to human. Like be, ever since that moment, it is, it is natural. And that is, we do have that inclination towards sin. I think today in today's culture, there's also an emphasis on the individual, like individualism. Um, and what do I want? What do I see? What is my truth? And truth has become more and more subjective in today's culture and likewise, our viewpoint of God has become much more subjective because it's not, it's no longer what is God searching for in us? It's what are we searching for? What can we do on our own? What can we do by ourselves? Um, and today's culture kind of breeds this uh, almost like angsty teenager in us towards God. Like we are God's like angsty kids who just want to rebel because that's the way we are created. In reality, that's not how we are created, but original sin and the actions of Adam and Eve have created this underlying disposition within our hearts. Yeah, definitely. And that is something that um, is not inherently our fault. So like the catechism says that original sin is not um, contracted, uh, sorry, original sin is contracted, not committed. So it's a state and not an act. Um, And so it's something that we, we inherit it and it's not our fault. Um, so the, yeah, that is what the catechism has said of it. And that's something that um, I had never really thought that much of before. And it, kind of like when you mentioned the culture too, that, yeah, it's almost like we want to fit God into our plans. Like, th- like these are my plans. I'm going to be self-reliant. Um, and God, if you want like a part of that, or if I can kind of fit you into this somehow, um, great. But if not, like, 
it's, it's almost more like how, how dare you ask me to do something or make me, make me choose something that I think might make me unhappy. Um, and it kind of does take a little bit of the pressure off of that. It is, yeah, it is something that it's, it's a state and it's not an act that we, um, it's not our fault that that's our natural in- inclination. I feel like that's something that's really important to pinpoint yeah. that we're not the only ones, you know, who, who have this inclination. I feel like a lot of times we can get self-isolated yeah. with that. Yeah, I agree. And I, again, just keeping, keeping with today's culture, I think many of us were raised in like this American culture where it's really you and your own handle your business. You have a problem, fix it. You need to get something done, do it. And so it can be very uncomfortable putting the deliverables of our life in the hands of someone else, especially in the hands of someone that we can't physically see in front of us. And it becomes much more, uh, much more mystical and confusing to our minds and hard to really grapple with. But again, I love that you keep emphasizing this, that this uncomfortability that we're speaking of is not necessarily our own fault. And it is not just an individual thing. It's not something that just you or I are struggling with. It's what every Christian in the entire world is struggling with at this moment. Um, It really makes me think, you know, what are the remedies to this? Yeah. Um, and that's a really good question that just because this is our reality doesn't mean that we have to necessarily just like sit here and take it and knowing like, Oh man, well I have this inclination. Um, and yeah, I have this desire to sometimes move away from God. Well, I guess that's the situation. Well, actually no. Um, Jesus does free us from, from original sin. Um, and by baptism, like for, for our own baptism, we share in like the redemptive act and the redemptive act of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so not only do we start to become freed from original sin, but we start to become freed from our own. And I think that's just just that line. Um, I got that from the archdiocese um, somewhere in Minnesota. I'll have to get them get them more <laughs> specifically, but I thought it was really beautiful. Um, that yeah, that even though that this is our reality, but Jesus comes and he has come to redeem us and he has come to save us. And he has already done these acts and there are very, very many possibilities and opportunities that we have to cling to him. And whether this is, um, honest and consistent prayer, this is the sacraments. Um, this is scripture. I mean, I mean, we could just go on and on and, that, yeah, he, he has come to yeah, free us from original sin and our own sin. So just because we have this does not mean, does not, it, basically, it does not define us. I know I had an ex, um, talking with some friend uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's basically like, just because you feel, let's say like jealousy, doesn't make you a jealous person. Just because you have these, these natural feelings, it does not define you. It's, it's the action on top of it. Um, so I think that, yeah, Jesus has come to free us and he's come to save us from that. And he has started to give us a path, a path to love him and to trust in him. And it's not a path that we have to walk alone. It's that he will be with us. And we have the Holy Spirit as our advocate on us, like with us on this path. And also you can have, I mean, great friends. I mean, like you or John and a lot of other people have on the podcast to walk on this path yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Don't mean to flatter you. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm blushing right now. Uh, yeah, a couple things really struck me there with the first being, um, 
yeah, we're not free from the temptation though. Like even though Christ did come and, you know, he offers the remedy to original sin, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to be all peachy. Everything's going to be great. We're not going to be tempted. We're not going to fall. We're not going to sin. In reality, he offers us the remedy and he gives us more resources and he offers us really intimacy with himself so we can engage in greater relationship with him and his father. And that in itself isn't going to necessarily remove temptation, but it allows us to better manage our actions. Like you're saying, just because you feel jealous doesn't make you a jealous person. It's the action coupled on top of it. So although we're going to be tempted day in and day out, Jesus offers us the remedy to actually taking the action to those things by offering us, again, the Bible, by offering offering us the sacraments. And again, you look at like the intimacy with God pre and post Jesus. Obviously, the intimacy is infinitely more now. And it kind of reminds me, this is kind of a weird example, but I'm also an American history nut. And it reminds me like the Constitution like all these men were in a room, like writing this constitution and they weren't just writing it for the next 10 years. They weren't writing it for like the next 50 years, even they were writing it for the rest of eternity of whatever America's um, lifespan is. They were saying, this is what will govern and set the future for America until the end of America. Um, It's, that's really beautiful. I've always thought that was like a very inspirational way of really a viewpoint of like when you're writing such an important document, like, oh, I have to keep in mind the generations 300, 500, 1,000 years down the road. And we look to what Jesus did and it's the exact same thing. 2,000 years ago in the words in the Bible are still applicable to my life today in 2020. 2,000 years ago, he instituted the priesthood and he instituted the Eucharist, which I'm able to receive on a daily basis. And now we have this beautiful Catholic church and we have the beautiful way that we get to go to mass. We get to go to adoration. We get to interact with him so intimately on an everyday basis. And that that wasn't necessarily a thing beforehand. If we hear about like Judaism and the ways that people were allowed into synagogues and allowed into certain parts of it, it was much more limited. It was much more sparse. And now I can receive the Eucharist and be staring at Christ at any moment of my life. That in itself is that offer and that remedy that Christ offered by coming down. Yeah. And Christ has made himself available and has shown us his desire for a personal relationship with us too. Um, And that the great thing about that is that it is a personal relationship with us, but also he desires a personal relationship with you, with everyone that you know. And yeah, he is, he has come to repair that broken relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's just really important that, um, to think about like in our own situation that even now, like you think we said, like there's similarities between now and Adam and Eve that we're, we're given freedom, right? We still have our free will and we're asked to recognize your human limits, which sounds kind of weird, but I think one of the phrases to depend on God and to look at God first. Um, yeah. And to trust in God and we have been given, um, yeah, just many gifts to do that. And that's not saying like, oh, you've been given these gifts. Um, it's all like, it's all cool from here. And you can just like, oh, go with no problem. It's like, yeah, th- there is still that inclination. That's why it's difficult. That's why you can go to confession or go on a retreat and you can feel so unified with Christ. And a month later, you can go home and fall into the same sin. 
Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing that like we, it is, it is natural and, and everyone feels it. But the good news is that, you know, crisis has offered us a way to become unified with the Lord and to see things more clearly. And it's something that we're going to have to keep actively working on it. It's kind of, yeah. you, you can't really hit cruise control with this <laughs> and be like, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna kind of like um, take it easy for me here. And it's something that you're gonna have to be active with. Yeah. And again, just going back to like how we view God and the effect of original sin on that. Again, you just keep reminding me of this. Of what was Adam and Eve's response? They covered themselves. Um, they were very shameful. And it's the exact same situation. Like we do the exact same thing when we sin. We hide from God at times. Some of us, some of us have two different reactions. I know I back in the past, I used to, if I would commit a sin, I would like almost not want to pray. Cause I was like, I'm not deserving to like be that intimate with christ i already told a priest that and he was like that is the biggest load of crock i've ever heard like that is the devil legitimately trying to tempt you to lose your intimacy with christ i was like oh that's good to know wish somebody told me that earlier but again we have that same tendency where we want to distance ourselves from god just like adam and eve did and again just it's all about their response and yeah this is a this is very convicting to me and it's very on it's honestly like a very personal note for me because this is something that is very eye-opening, I think. Just, I think oftentimes we blame ourselves of, oh, I'm just a wicked person or I'm so weak. Why am I tempted so much? Um, but we realize that this is not a personal thing. This isn't everyone thing. Uh, although we do have some people to blame. <laughs> uh, but it is really um, beautiful to be able to know that even in this, Christ is still chasing after us. Even though he just he did come and he died and he rose for saved us all of those good things, that wasn't just the end of his ministry. Um, like Christ still chases after us in 2020 and chases after each one of us and draws us closer to his Father, and that's maybe the most beautiful thing. Of even though our viewpoint is so skewed, we have someone advocating for us and we have someone still chasing us and trying to show us the truth. He's trying to show us the light, uh, and sometimes it's just as simple as understanding that you're standing indoors with all the lights off and all you have to do is walk outside um, and just engage in the truth. Yeah. Couldn't have said that any better myself. I guess the, the last thing um, when you were saying that like Adam and Eve um, felt ashamed is that, yeah, that, that feeling of shame also did not come from the Lord, but that's something that we, we convince ourselves that that we want and they hid from the Lord too. Mm-hmm. And that we do, and a lot of times I think it's really easy to look at Adam and Eve and be like, oh man, I can't like, wow, like they really messed up. And then you look at like my own life the last like three days and I was like, oh man, like, um, but yeah, that, that like the, um, the shame and like the feeling of hiding or trying to move away from the Lord, like that doesn't come from the Lord. He doesn't want us to feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't want us to hide from him um, he wants us to come into the light. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what the priest told me. He said, if you're ever feeling the need to, hide or be ashamed in front of the Lord, then that is exactly how the devil is trying to talk to you. Cause he's trying to get you and remove you from him. Cause we know we can look at Christ's reaction to sinners in reality. When he walked the streets, like he would walk up to a, <laughs> prostitutes, anyone, and he would forgive them of everything just on the spot. And you would think in today's world, like, Oh, why they sh- could have been shameful. They could have hidden yet he embraced them as one of his own. And in turn, we still look at ourselves like, oh my goodness, he could never do that for me. It's like, why would, why would a God 
who came to forgive all sins look at you and make you the one exception where he's like, actually, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I don't know about you. I don't know if I, that was pretty bad what you did. Like, no, that, that does not follow any uh, line of logic there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it just comes down to how we, how we view God. Are we viewing him as someone who, yeah, is, is out to get us um, or is, is someone who's not to be trusted or are we viewing him yeah, as our loving father? Yeah. Who wants the best for us and yeah. is not going to be like, yeah, you, um, what you did was really bad that he's going to yeah, love us no matter what. And that we can trust him in that. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces of scripture was like, I think I, this is probably not word for word correct, but it's the one where it goes, you know, what loving father would hand his son a snake when he asked for an egg. I just think it's hilarious. But again, it's we have this natural disposition to distrust God. But when we look at him as a loving father and we relate to him in that way, rather than just like this way above us, impersonal, distant figure, we realize, oh, yeah, of course you would do anything for me. Um, and we're able to kind of rebuild a trusting relationship with him. And that's not going to come overnight. It's going to take time and patience. But once we start to change our viewpoint and stop looking at him as almost a rule giver, as some would maybe call it, and start looking at him as a loving father guiding us and um, protecting us, then we can start to actually build that trust back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I really like how you put that. Nice. Look at us go, David. Hey. Anything else on this topic? No, I don't think so. I think you kind Perfect. of hit on the head there that like, yeah, it is, it is continual. It's ongoing. And if you feel like you are fully trusting in the Lord and then suddenly like you feel like you're not like that's natural. And I feel like that's happened to me before as well. That's probably my last, my last thing. Yep. It is. It is. I think it'll happen to every single person that's ever walked this earth, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but yeah, everyone, thank you guys for listening again. As always, we um, really, really appreciate it. And please keep Dave and I in your prayers, especially David, as he's closing down his semester at U of I right now. So he'll be heading into final soon. So maybe say a couple extra few for him and his classes. But yeah, real quick before we go, just want to let you guys know about two really great things we have going on here at The Catch. The first being um, a little partnership with Bishop Sheen Rosaries. You guys know Adam Camp. If you guys are looking for a nice rosary, you guys are looking for a Christmas present right now, a birthday present, make sure to go check them out at the link below in the podcast description uh, Honestly, they're incredible rosaries. They're high quality. They have great meaning. And a lot of the profit goes to really supporting great causes. I know that they're really doing great things over there. So please go show them the support. And secondly, if you are struggling with pornography um, in your life right now, make sure to check out Covenant Eyes with the with the link that is also in the podcast description. Uh, their resources can help, whether it's readings, whether it's using their software to monitor your uh monitor your screen engagement, anything they can definitely help for you from the chains of that sin. So yeah, uh, but that's all we got here for you today at The Catch. So until next time, we'll see you guys later. Adios. Adios. Adios.